Welcome to Deep Natter. In this episode, a new piece of gear for my podcast studio sparks a discussion around control, consistency, and getting outside of our comfort zones in the work that we produce. We also talk about what kinds of features and maybe more importantly, what kind of culture we'd like to see from a new photo sharing platform. Here we go. I, I will say this mixed cast is a beast. Is it? Probably not unlike the roadcaster. Yeah. You know, I, I liken it to a new camera. When you buy a new camera, yes, you can take it out of the box, put batteries in it, turn it on, point it at something, and you're going to get an image. You know, you can you can put it on program and you're, you're going to get an image. But until you really dive in to the menus, to some of the little idiosyncrasies, some of the settings that are available, you're not going to get the most out of it. No. And I feel it's the same with these types of devices, with the Mixcast, with the Roadcaster, with, with any of these types of, of things that, that there are multiple layers of functionality that you're able to access or unlock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, you can plug this thing in, turn it on, plug a mic into it, you know, punch up the fader and you will get a sound. But there are so many things that, that you can do to tailor that sound that uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying going through it. But man, is it, it's, it's super capable. And with the firmware coming in February, it's going to be even more capable, just like Rode did with the Rodecaster. You know, they, they released that thing day one and it, it was a terrific device day one, but in many ways it's become a much better device over time. Yeah, I've enjoyed mine. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's more than capable. Just to the... Um the kind of built-in effects and everything that they put on the voice. Like for, for someone like me, like who doesn't know, I know a bit about EQing and mixing and that, but it's it's sort of uh, the, the stuff it gives you out of the box really makes things sound good, especially for the audio book I did. Yes. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't let you push the boat out too far, so you're kind of ruining the sound of things because, I mean, it, it's like with anything, isn't it? You can just take it way, way too far and, and ruin it because you think you know what you're doing and you look back later and go, wow, I overprocessed that sound, you know? Right, it's, right. It's been really good. Yeah, I like it. And I think the value in that is is often overlooked. The, the value in, and the same could be said for cameras, in providing a lower level of simplicity of, of features and and letting the device, whatever that device is, do some of the heavy lifting for you. I think there's value in that. There's a tendency to look down on, in the photography world anyway, people that shoot on program, but there are engineers who are way smarter than me who have spent years getting that camera to do what it does. And I have to trust that they know what they're doing. I mean, yeah, I, 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 the problem with me with that is like, it's because I've just been doing a series on YouTube about um, portrait editing. Mm-hmm. So the, the first one that I did was uh, skin retouching, which went out last weekend. And I have like a, a level of skin retouching I'm happy to do. So I, I have the two-week rule I talk about, which is if anything is going to probably be gone on a face in two weeks, I can take it out. Yep. But anything beyond that, I leave it in because it's freckles or moles. It's part of the character of the face. So I don't want to make people look unlike themselves i just want to give them a good natural skin day yeah and i still want to see pores in the face i don't want someone to look like a plastic mannequin yeah you do a very real world retouch and i i love that it it doesn't look fake or you know like you said plasticky yeah i I think about it with myself i mean if someone takes a portrait of me i have 
I have a lot of scars on my face. I'll be honest, I don't want you to take them out. Right. Because it's, I don't want you to smooth my face over. That's part of the character of my face. And it's actually taken me quite a long journey to get to the point where not only do I accept that stuff, I kind of like it as part of who I am, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and don't take it out. And I think the problem with automated systems, because someone did get on that video and asked me underneath in the comments and said, well, what do you think of, you know, the new neural filters, the AI filters in in Photoshop that do skin cleanup for you, skin smoothing for you. And I, I just said, like, if it works for you, that's fine. I don't have anything against technology like that, but you have to understand that you're saying that you want Adobe's taste in skin retouching as your taste in skin retouching. And it's not mine because I've looked at those AI filters and for me, they're way too heavy handed because mm. I think they it's not even really their taste. It's what they think the general public's taste is and not even the general public, probably more beginner photographers who need things like AI filters because they can't do their own skin retouching. And most beginner photographers will push things too far. So you can rely on, um, you know, the built-in stuff in the box, but you need to push yourself as far as possible, I think, to try and learn the tools so you can finesse things a little bit. And what I've appreciated about the Rodecaster is, even though I'm a little bit of an audio noob, so I might be falling into that gap of, well, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I just think it sounds good, but an audio tech will go, well, actually, it's just too much. But for me, it it seems to be a more mature uh, way of mixing audio, especially in terms of EQs, than, say, Photoshop's AI filters with skin. And I think you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of what... When you're relying on something, I mean, the classic example is uh, a presets that photographers sell, isn't it? I mean, some of those presets are, let's be honest, horrendous because they are so <laughs> Some are very heavy, yes. <laughs> very heavy handed. And I bet those photographers who sort of moved on four or five years are embarrassed that they've got them out there going like, gosh, you know, I thought that was great five years ago, but I've grown out of that now and realize it's way too much. But they've still got people buying them. Right. And still got people putting them on their images and really cranking their images up to 11 because you don't, you're not factoring in things like, well, it's all fine that that, that particular preset does select number of things with different sliders and color channels and the rest of it. But the question you have to ask yourself is what image are you feeding into it? And what were they feeding into it? How much dynamic range is in there? How much contrast is in there already? Um, What is the color space? What's it doing to it? What's the shot? Are you shooting at night? Are you shooting at day? Is it lighting in a room at night? Is it daylight with bright sunlight? It's going to do different things to all of those. So, I mean, I think, I think things like presets, are great for beginner photographers when you're not really sure what you're doing, but use them as a tool to learn what works and what doesn't work. And then look under the hood and see what is this particular photographer doing with these sliders and what can I back off slightly because it's too much. And then the more you start doing that, you start to go, I can can actually do some of this myself. And before you know it, you'll be making your own look that you're dialing in custom every time and it's taking you seconds. Like everything I do, on because all my running around daily photography stuff, I shoot it across from my Ricoh to my phone and I sit and edit on Lightroom Mobile at a cafe on my phone screen. Mm-hmm. And I do, it takes me 20 to 30 seconds maximum per image. Right. And I'm done. And I know exactly what moves I'm going to make before I start, but I'm doing it based on the image that I took and what I think it needs. I don't, I don't have any presets because every image needs its own treatment, I think. And and the when you start to advance a little bit and you learn about that, you learn that what you're going to do to an image that you shoot at night uh, with neon lights and a, and a Promis filter is going to be incredibly different 
for, to what you want to do in a bright sunlit shot in a park in the middle of the day. It's, it, it should be very different. And I think when you start to do that sort of stuff for yourself, that's when you hit kind of a new level and you're taking ownership of the look you're putting in. Right. I, you know, I think this is, I was talking to Adrian about some of this very thing. And I think there's a bigger discussion around control. Yeah. There are so many things in the creative process that are outside of our control that I think sometimes we adhere or glom on to the things that are in our control, but we hold on to those things too tightly or we, we ramp them up too far because we feel like we have to exert some sort of control over the work. I mean, where does it, where does it hit it for you? Like, have you got an example? All over. I mean, well, recently it's in the studio, in building the studio. Yeah. You know, I am being far more meticulous about certain things than I probably should be mm-hmm. in terms of how I'm building something. You know, do I want to resand this down to bare wood again and repaint it because there was a blemish, you know, a third of the way down the piece of door molding, like silly things like that. And Adrian going, um, no, that's not what you want to do. (laughs) You don't want to do that. (laughs) No, I know know, what you, you think you do. It's getting sort of hyper critical and hyper invested in making changes because then that somehow allows you to put your name on it in a way that doing less doesn't in a weird way. Mm. With with the painting stuff that I do, there's so much that's left to chance. There's definitely a skill required. There's definitely a, a, a degree of of talent and finesse and and curation and all of that that goes into it. But at the end of the day, at the end of that painting, a lot of it was a happy accident. Mm. There are things there that I couldn't have predicted. I can predict that they're going to happen every time because they do, but I can't predict what and to what degree things are going to happen. Yeah. So I think you, well, I won't say you, I manifest control in different ways so I can feel more deeply connected to the process as a whole. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because there's a push and a pull, like, because I also feel sometimes that if I'm too con- in control of what I'm doing, I'm, I'm not risking or pushing the boat out far enough. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's both sides of it. So at the moment, for example, I've just started very early days shooting portraits for this new long-term project that I'm doing. And I had a thought yesterday when I was processing these images, which are exactly what I had in my mind beforehand. I, mm-hmm. I, I knew exactly what look I wanted to go for with these. I have only taken a handful so far because it's taken quite a while to get this project moving and it's still moving very slowly. But these are exactly what I envisioned. The style is exactly what I want. Depth of field is what I want. Contrast is what I want. Lighting is what I want. The color mix in them is exactly what I want. But I'm worried I'm playing it too safe. Mm-hmm. If it was this easy to get here, you know, if, am I going far enough? Yes, yes, which I suppose is a good problem to have because I, mm-hmm. I have 100% control. Like I'm going in and in a way this is easy for me. This is easy. Like but I, should I, it be easy? Well, that's it because I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. I had a real moment like you, don't, you forget to celebrate stuff, don't you? Like I had mm-hmm. a real moment yesterday where I came home and I processed a couple of these portraits and I stood back and I looked at them and I went, wow, 
like 10 year ago, Sean would be so proud of me. He would be so thrilled that you got here, that you can do this this easily with such ease. Um, he, and, and he'd be so thrilled with the quality of images you're now producing and that you're starting to point them at things you care about. Well done. And that, that's all legit. And I'm really happy with that. There's no but with that. That was a really lovely moment. But <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was this, like, well, if it, if it is that easy, I think every project should also have an element of risk where you're Absolutely. on the edge of control. And, yeah. I, and it made me realize like what I, it's fine that I'm doing this, but I think I need to, and, and I was going to anyway, but I need to hang on to all these raw files because maybe I find that a year down the road of doing this project, I go, no, there's a, there's a braver way to do this. And I'm glad I've got all the raw material to push the boat out further. And if I need to go back and take some slightly different shots with people, I've got these contacts because it's fine that I'm starting out, uh, in a sense, safely, although I am using all the skills that I have to do these. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like I'm being lazy with it. Like all my skills are being applied to these. A lot of like a culmination of different skill sets are coming together for this project in a way that I'd, I'd always plan them to. Uh, but I, I feel like it needs a, an element of out of control as well. An element of, oh, let me try that. It might not work. Is consistency a prerequisite for the project? Can Can this project display... A, a continuum that's not consistent, that there is growth and change and risk-taking, or does it necessarily, in your mind anyway, because you're, you're still at, at, at the very beginning stages of it, do you see long-term that it has to be consistent from start to finish? I, I, I'm big on consistency, I think. Like yeah. I, for me personally, this is not like a, everyone else should do this, but I believe that if you're going to put a project together because in my head, I don't know if this will become a book, but that's the target mm -hmm. I'm aiming for. And, and if that's what I'm aiming for, I want to present a book that feels like a cohesive whole. And I think that sure. happens by running some threads of consistency through the book. Yeah, sure. I want the contrast ratios to feel similar. I want the colors to feel similar, which will match the design of the book. All those things are in mind. And I want to be diligent about thinking about that, on the front end as well, even though I'm giving myself permission that it could change as I go. Um, so yeah, I think consistency within a project is important. Just like I think consistency within a portfolio of work that you present online is important, but consistency in your work overall, I don't think is very important because right. you should be changing all the time and learning new things and growing. Um, it's like my, my, my Instagram, for example, is wildly inconsistent. It's all over the place. In fact, almost every second shot is color or black and white. I, I, I deliberately alternate that much. Um, my contrast ratios are similar. My point of view is similar, although it's changing because of my change of location. Um, subject matter changes. Uh, but then you go to my website and hopefully that feels like a more cons uh, consistent whole, like a whittled down set of images that feel like each other and that say, Hey, this is the main thing that I do. If you want to go see me playing around with a lot of other stuff, go see Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. same thing with a project. I want it to feel consistent. The next book after that one might feel completely different. There might not be consistency between those two books, but there will be within the project. I think. Yeah. See, and that's interesting to me because I would imagine, I mean, I don't know your, your stats obviously, but I would imagine that your Instagram 
individual images and maybe even profile gets far more traffic than your website does. Oh, tons. Absolutely. Yeah. So to present a much more inconsistent representation of your work is an interesting choice when you value consistency in, in terms of look and feel and, and, uh, almost brand on your website? Well, the way, the way I think about it is like I can't control who visits what. Um, like I, I, I know, realistically speaking, thousands more people will visit my Instagram than will visit my website. Not many people will go to my website. But I do have to choose where to do which thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't want a wildly inconsistent website, which I send clients to on purpose, and then a, a very consistent but very small set of images on Instagram like that looks like a portfolio. Because for me, Instagram doesn't get used as a portfolio. It gets used as my visual diary. Right. And I'm very open about that. It's even in the description to a degree. And I say, this is me playing around. This is my scrapbook of visual ideas that I, I post in daily. That's what this is for. So if you misunderstand that and go, well, this latest image is the best Sean can do because it's the last image he took so this represents the pinnacle of you've misunderstood what that's about and that's on you that's not on me because i was clear and i understand people don't read descriptions and the rest of it but again I, w- I was still clear you just didn't bother to see what that was for but i still want my website when i hand a card to somebody a business card saying hey this is me this is what i do i want that website to be that that small portfolio of consistent images for the sort of work that I want to be hired for. Right. And that's how I split stuff up. But you're right. Yeah. Traffic wise. If, if I was, if I was worried about more people visiting that consistent portfolio, then yes, what I I mean, the only solution I'd have would be to delete almost all of my Instagram and just post 40 images to my Instagram, the best of, and just leave them there. That'd be the only other option. It's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we were, we were talking about this very thing in, in that on Instagram, everything you post has equal weight, has equal value, is equal in the eyes of a visitor in the sense that if I go to your profile page, I have no idea what images you would value at a 10, yeah. what images of your own that you would value at a four, what are sketch images. I have to assume that if you put them up on your Instagram, that you want people to see them, that you're proud of them, all this other, this other stuff that goes along with it. And I think it would be so fabulous if, if there was a way to say, you know, on Instagram, here's a set of 12 images, start here. These are the ones that really mean Uh, something to me. Yeah. And, and maybe those are pinned to the top of your 12 at the top. Yes. Yes. Like here's, here's my, here's the role that I want you to start with. That's a great idea. That's a really great idea because that would help me do both things. That'd be, that'd be right. brilliant. Well, it's, you know, it's a feature. It's become a feature in the, the, the ghost platform that will never be. Yes. Because I, I, <laughs> I think that there's so much value there because I, you are exactly right. And I know many photographers and visual artists as well who, who use Instagram in the same way. This is a progress report. This is a, this is a, a, a snapshot of where I am creatively. Some of these might be finished images. Some might be sketch images. Some might be process images. Some might be, you know, whatever, whatever you fancy. But if there was a way to specifically call out and be able to change those, like, here's what I'm really proud of, or here's where I really want you to start because I'm working on this new thing. I'm going in a new direction, or here are my all-time favorites that I'm going to keep as a consistent 
starting point when you're visiting my, my profile page. That's a great idea. It's a really great idea. So it's sort of like a, it's sort of that first 12 are like your front page and then yeah. you hit the, and then you hit the feed of things that right. are coming through and being able to order those first 12, not chronologically, just whatever order you want. Whatever order you want. That's a, that's yes. a really great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, then immediately I went to, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could also theme stuff? So at the moment I'm doing a lot of stuff on shop windows. Oh, I could have a shop mm, window mm-hmm. thing, which people could see what I'm doing there. And, I, and I'm like, I'm actually just creating a website again, aren't I? <laughs> the, right. the, the more right. I start to carve it up, it's not a social media platform people will engage with anymore. But that, yeah, that pin 12 or pin nine, even like a nice grid of nine. I mm-hmm. think that's a great idea. Really cool. But it, you know, it, it, it seems to run contrary to where Instagram and maybe maybe other social media is, is going, Instagram has been very clear about prioritizing video. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, I I, I don't I don't really get it. I don't I don't really get the idea of of posting a bunch of reels. First of all, I don't know what I would make reels of, um, but I I don't understand the the forcing of a particular file type on the end user i, I don't yeah, i really don't understand it's, that it's just i mean they all do it don't they they get they get so excited about the fact that tiktok is doing well and they're like oh we should we should steal market share from them so then they start trying to force us into make more videos for us like let's because they want to kick tiktok out and, and put Instagram front and center. And then you've got your CEO standing up saying stupid stuff like Instagram is for video users more than for photographers now. And everyone goes, well, we're out there. And they went, oh, no, no, just kidding. Like they just tie themselves up in so many knots because they get greedy and they don't know their own platform and how it's used. That's the embarrassing thing. All they know is what they want to go after instead of what people appreciate already and how to maximize on that, which are often very different things. Right, right. I've thought about, in fact, I, I was talking to a uh, uh, beverage photographer, Freddie Clark, uh, mm-hmm. Sante Photo, if you'd like to check out his stuff, about maybe doing either either a, a, a clubhouse discussion or maybe a Twitter spaces discussion. And the topic of that discussion would be, what would you like to see in a new photo sharing platform? Not, not video. Mm. But let's let's bring it back to stills. What would you like to see out of a photo sharing platform? And what would you be willing to pay for that experience? Because I think the the model of free is terrific. Uh, it has its place. But you and I have talked many times. The moment you add even a minimal cost uh, component to it, you eliminate a lot of the trolls right off the bat. You eliminate a lot of the people who are just there to, to really beat their own drum and stir up stuff right off the bat. Well, more than that, I think what you do is you also, you, you make a commitment to your people who use that platform that we're asking you for money and we're building a business model that means you pay for this platform, which means advertisers will never be seen here, which means you'll always have your chronological feed because we're never right. going to be tempted to go to big companies for money. If you if you could manage to structure it so that the users pay for it and keep it the way they want it, you do something that I don't think any other companies manage to do because they all get greedy and they all want to right. go after 
sticking a thousand ads in and then messing up chronological feeds and all the rest of it. I think that's, it's a big part of it. It's like, that's what we moan about, isn't it? It's why we all moaned about Facebook years ago and why we're moaning about Instagram because it used to be good, but then the advertisers came in and then everything got messed up and now we don't get to see the stuff we want to see. Well, but they're free platforms, so we can't really moan because we're not paying for it. But there's got to be a way to crack the advertising component to it. I don't, I don't think advertising in and of itself or sponsorship in and of itself is a bad thing. No. I think the way it's being implemented hasn't changed in so long. Yes, but my assumption is always that none of these companies are doing this deliberately. Like they're, they're not changing these platforms so that we don't like them deliberately because they want their users happy. Why would they not? Because we might go somewhere right. else if we're not happy. Right. And and we're telling them that we're not happy very vocally so they know there's no there's no ignorance about it in which case there must be some reason when you start running a company like that where it makes sense to do it well i think it's because they're still there i mean yes people moan about it but has engagement has has uh, membership dropped significantly on instagram i don't think that it has no no i just mean in terms of implementation with the advertising oh, I see. there's got to be a, there's got to be a reason to do it that way because they are risking they they probably haven't lost that much you're right but they are risking i mean if something else pops up another platform pops up that offers what we want more than those platforms we'll all move so they're risking positioning themselves where where another platform pops up and offers us you know uh, higher resolution images with with clean chronological feeds uh, and we, we all like that we're going to go and Instagram's going to go no 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 wait we'll give you that and we're like no we gave you a chance we're out we're never coming back they know what they're risking by doing that yeah. so there's got to be a really compelling business reason but will people fa- pay for it will 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 a million people pay five dollars a month no for no ads chronological timeline and, and some of the other features that you and I have talked about offline. No, but, but, you know, maybe a hundred thousand will, which is still a mm-hmm. lovely community. Like, I think this is the thing is we've got so used to, we want everything for free on the internet. Right. A tiny, tiny proportion of users are willing to pay for things. Like, I mean, I've given the example before, but I mean, I've got, I've got just over half a million subscribers on YouTube. Um, I have the option to support me on YouTube by, by becoming a channel member. And I, I, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but I think it's, it's, it's definitely under 150 individuals that are willing to give $5 a month to help yeah. me make those videos. 150 yeah. people, less than 150 people out of over, uh, just over half a million subscribers. So no, I think it's a tiny number that are willing to pay for something that they like. Yeah. Most people will just go to the free option. Um, but maybe that's all you need. Maybe it's maybe it's Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans. Maybe you just need ten thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand photographers who are serious about it, who who really get value out of that space and out of that platform where they get to post things, see the things that they want, interact in the ways they want, that's fairly troll-free and supportive and encouraging, that that's worth way more than $5 to them, maybe. But maybe I think yeah. it's a small group, but I think I also I think you're right, though. I think having that little um, pay-to-play entryway does weed out a lot of of people who potentially are just there to cause trouble because no one's going to pay five bucks just to go leave negative comments on other people's photographs. So you do get rid of a lot of that. Element, <laughs> I hope not. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> wouldn't that be sad? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but like there probably are some who are. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot less likely, and then hopefully you have a more serious, more supportive community. There's got to be a way to crack it, and uh, you know, you and I have had so many conversations about it, and I think, I think there's some really good things that, that we've talked about. I think the scaling part is still uh, up in the air, and the number of numbers, the number of of users, subscribers, members, whatever you want to call it, to make it self-sustaining, where you don't need to go to venture capital or you don't need to go to advertisers that's a balancing act i think yeah um yeah and i don't know if it's because it's not possible or it's a matter of priority when i think about this and when you and i have talked about this it has always been experience first not platform first it's always been from the user experience how can we make this engaging compelling not just user to platform but user to user on the platform. Yeah, yeah. So the, more of that community feel. Yes. Because that's what's missing. Is, and that's, that's maybe the selling point of having a smaller group rather than the whole world on there, is, is you do get to know people. Like so when photography forums get it right, and I'm going to be the first to say that's quite rare, but when they get it right, there are those people who regularly comment. Who are like, oh, yeah, he comments all the time or she comments all the time and they've got really interesting stuff to say. Um, and, and that's kind of nice. And that does happen every now and again. Now, of course, there's a counterpoint to that with like, oh, gosh, when, when Nikon King jumps on Petapixel, we all cringe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Because, because right. it's never going to be anything nice. It's always just angry vitriol. But, you know, I mean, it just depends, doesn't it? It's It's... That having that, uh, having that, people start to get to know who other people are, and when that person comments on one of your photographs, you know it's going to be useful stuff. Almost like um, people who sort of rise to the top of those communities, like online mentors, who you can tell care and want right. to be supportive. I mean, that's the good stuff that comes out of proper online community. Well, I, I think I think Glass tried to do that, or I don't even. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know if it's still around. Uh, here, let me it's go on Android. Oh. So I couldn't give it a go. Oh, was it iPhone only? Of course. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's an interesting choice. Okay. So yeah, it is. Uh, okay. So here, first review. I think this is a solid first step. The issue is I'm not sure the founders have established an identity for glass outside of it, not being Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So that's an interesting yeah. observation. So, Hey, we're doing, th we're, we're not doing what Instagram's doing as a selling point, but then what are you doing? That's going to make me care about you. What is, what is your platform identity? What is, what is the, I don't know, the, the platform culture, if you will, is that a thing? It's so funny that like it, this directly relates to me leaving the church because when I left the church, I, I wrote a book years ago called Unlearning, which was, I mean, fairly, fairly critical <laughs> of, of certainly Western institutional church. Um, and, uh, you know, talked a lot about my journey with the church and why I wasn't going back and why I thought in a lot of ways it's a broken institution with all the wrong priorities. And one of my friends pulled me aside and he said to me, you know what, like, I think it's important you've said this stuff, but I really hope that the next book you write is called Relearning and you're actually offering us 
mm. what the solution is because it's not mm-hmm. enough just to say, well, this is rubbish. This is so rubbish. Right. This doesn't work. I, well, You're just, just pointing out the problems. Exactly. And I, I was asked by a lot of people at the time, you should start a church, Sean. You should start a church. And I had to do this exercise where I sat down and went, well, what would it be if I did that? And I I realized when I started doing this little exercise on paper, realizing well, I could do this and this and this. But then the more I played it out in my head, I'm like, well, in three years, that's going to be the same as what I left that would really annoy me. Mm. Or when mm-hmm. these types of people moved in, they're going to turn it into that. And and then I'm going to lose control of that. And it's going to be, it's going to be exactly what I left before, you know, right. or, 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 all roads sort of lead back to where you were kind of thing. Exactly. Because of course a church attracts, uh, it would have initially attracted more open-minded people like myself, but in the long run, it would have, it would have attracted more traditional Christians and they would have gotten to leadership. And then they would have started talking about how they think gays are going to hell. And I'm like, well, how the hell did we get back there so fast? Because right. you can't control it. Because <laughs> you can't control right. it because you can't tell people, well, we're not allowing you in because and you have to be so so clear i think if you're going to start something new that is the opposite of the thing you left because you think the thing you left is broken you have to be really really specific about what the new thing is and why what yeah, you're what it is, is not just what it isn't exactly exactly and yeah, you've, you've, yeah. you've got to be defined more by what you're for than what you're against whatever you're doing and i think that was a big lesson for me it's 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 the same as this isn't it yeah, it's interesting that 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 I mean and that like I said that's the first review on on the app page but yeah, if you're not going to define what it is, what it is you can expect out of this, what is whatever it is, uh whether it's a product or a service, just saying well we're not the other guy is probably not enough. And and again, I don't know anything about glasses numbers. I know a few people who have tried it and they were uh, whelmed, not over, not under, just, you know, it's sort of meh. Just warmly whelmed. Yes. <laughs> Show title. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's part of why there hasn't been a replacement for some of these things is because there's too much focus on on what we don't want to be or what the other, the thing that we're trying to build something against has gotten wrong that we're not focusing on. How can we get it right? Maybe that's, maybe it's as simple as that. I don't know. I think so. And it's okay to start with what is broken about the thing you want to leave, but it has to, it has to become what's the positive alternative to that and and ignore the negative you're leading then just focus on that what how are you going to mm-hmm. make that the best it can be if you feel like that you're not getting chronological timelines on instagram that can't be on your board as a goal chronological timelines it's too simple so what's the positive of that why why do we want that well it's because i want to see everything from the people i really care about okay how do we make that happen how do we make sure right. that you don't miss stuff from the people you care about that's the right. positive of that and then and then that becomes your branding we're going to make sure on this platform that if you say you want to see what somebody does you'll always see it it's going to come down your timeline as it happens and it's up to you whether you skip past it but we'll make sure you always see it that's not we're going to make sure we get rid of the unchronological timeline okay yeah 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 but but, but leaving something else is not a selling point yeah. Give us I, f- the, I feel give like us the, the timeline itself needs a redesign, you know, and yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, w- one of the things that, that Apple did with iOS 15, I think it, this is new to 15, 
when you when you send multiple photos, it sort of groups them instead of going one one below the other and having a long string of photos. It sort of groups them and then you can tap to expand. You know, that yeah. might be an interesting thing to solve the oh, so-and-so has posted 14 pictures and I don't want to have to scroll past 14 to get to yeah. the next person on my list. Maybe there's, yeah. there's a way to, to handle the volume of images that will potentially be shared in a smarter way than just one atop the other, you know, for infinity. Yeah, and I think there's, there's I mean, personally, I'd like to see things like people being encouraged to post uh, better work, not more work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it doesn't become as cluttered, you know, so that we're, we're actually challenged to to be more deliberate about what we post, because there are a lot of photographers out there who will just post hourly and just any any old stuff just to try and get attention or get traction, uh, which I think, you know, just creates a mess for everybody instead of going, well, how can I be more purposeful about this and things like um, interacting with each other around more than just a like, you know, which is such right. a, a silly thing. You know, no one cares. Just something that's more meaningful than that, and creating more community and uh, an interaction that's that's a bit more deep than you know, thumbs up. I wonder if it's a self fulfilling prophecy. I, I wonder if if because the interaction maybe, and, and I'm probably going to hang myself, but give me a little bit a little bit of rope here. Is, is the, is the, you know, you have said many times that, that you often use Instagram as, as a place to put sketch images. And I think a lot of people do that, photographers, artists, etc. I wonder, is that a reflection or is it connected? How is it connected to the fact that it's so simple for someone else to engage with a like or a heart, you know, that, that kind of thing. If, if that required more energy, if that, if if the interaction itself required more purpose, would the images that are shared reflect that purpose and become better? Would we be more deliberate about what we share? Do you know? Do you, do you yeah. get what I'm trying to get yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. It's kind of the other side of the of the of the seesaw, isn't it? Like if we if we're being more thoughtful about the images we're posting, we're being more thoughtful about the feedback that we're leaving. Hopefully, that means we're we're being more deliberate about all of it. And it's not mm-hmm. because it's almost something that says we, we're, we're trying to treat this a little more weightily than most social media. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's like you don't even pitch it as a social media platform. You pitch it more as it's a, it's a photography community specifically. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. posting photographs of our lunch or our holiday. We're trying to be more deliberate about, I want to show you what I'm working on and I'd love you to give me some feedback on it that's meaningful and that means that I'm going to be careful about what I post because I'm not going to post something frivolous and expect you to give meaningful feedback. I take more responsibility for it than that. Maybe right. maybe it, if you set that culture yeah. on the platform, then maybe it feeds through in all ways. And um, I wonder if it is, it is if there's a, a connection. If I, if, I, if I come from the perspective of I value your time in looking at what I'm posting, so I'm going to be more deliberate about what I'm posting. And in return, the viewer says... I value the time that you took to create this image, whatever it is. So I'm going to be more purposeful, deliberate, and give you more of my time to comment. Yes. Yeah, we're all taking it more seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much... I, it, that would be a really interesting platform because I think at the moment, a lot of people would struggle to find the time for a platform like that. 
because mm-hmm. the, the, the selling point of social media is it can be so quick and so yep. frivolous. If you have a free 10 minutes, you can go and throw up 50 likes on different photographs and just put it back in your pocket. You can't do that with what you're suggesting. So again, I think it would, it would whittle it down to a smaller community of, of um, photographers or artists who actually, and I think it, it'd be interesting to open it to more than just photographers, open it to painters and illustrators and designers who want to throw Absolutely. their work up. That, that, that could, that would like I'm going to spend half an hour on this every day and probably have a lot less guilt about sitting on it because it's meaningful and I'm getting meaningful feedback on my work from this and I'm giving meaningful feedback on other people's work and that doesn't feel like wasted frivolous time by throwing likes up on Instagram it feels like it feels like growing a bit there, there isn't yeah. really something like that you know no there isn't well <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> not yet I mean, it, it sort of exists but it yeah we, we need to we need to find somebody to build it i mean i think you and i have had so many conversations and refined this over years really yeah i mean we, we both thought about it independently as well which was interesting absolutely you thought, you thought about it a lot longer than i have but I, I it was definitely something when we started talking about this we realized like we both had this idea and it'd been swimming around and it's, it's someone needs to build it because I, I you know, I, I just don't have the skill set. I don't know what I'm doing. Nor do I. I have no clue. But someone needs to build it because it would be yeah. an amazing resource. I mean, even if we could do, I mean, if we could commit to, uh, you know, building a small proof of concept and I could commit to not being such a control freak. <laughs> oh dear everyone can have goals sean we can <laughs> you know even if it was a small proof of concept that yeah. that had you know we we plant or invite rather you know 50 people to go let, let's just think tank this thing and see if functionally it works the way we think it could and should with a small group of people yeah. With a small group of people. Yeah. And let's see how it goes. I, I, I think that might be the way to do it. And then l- let it, let it go, let it go wide if, and when the demand allows it. Yeah. Cause I think the other test will be, like I said, if people can actually fit it into their daily lives in a meaningful way, yes. or if it's, if, or if it asks too much from us in our world, cause that's a possibility I've thought about is yeah. maybe people just don't have the capacity for that, but but the ones who do, I think, would find it incredibly meaningful. Some some of the stuff I get asked most often, but with people reaching out randomly on Instagram, is please look at my work and tell me what you think. It happens mm-hmm. daily. And I bet. imagine if you could have a space where instead of trying to message strangers on Instagram, begging them to look at your photographs, somewhere where you're part of a community that that's the, their only purpose and they, they right. will do it for right. each other because they know if they do it, they'll get it back and everyone right. helps each other out. Adrian hit it on the head. She said, critique, not criticism. Yes. Although someone said to me the other day, because one of the chapters in my book is called critique. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he actually challenged me. And I, th- I like this idea as well. He said, we don't, we don't even say critique anymore in sports psychology. We say debrief. So that oh, after a game. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I don't mind critique personally, because I also like the idea of, Someone will tell me something uncomfortable if I need to hear it. I, I do like mm-hmm. that element. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, shy about criticism or critique. But, but debrief is kind of nice because it says it basically says, "What did you do? What could you do better next time?" Yeah, and uh, it feels more neutral than yeah. 
critique criticism. That that yeah. I can see where that would be seen or can be seen and taken as a negative straight away. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. that's terrific. I love that. Maybe what we should do is um, just encourage people if they want to email deepnatter at gmail.com uh, or just like send us something on Twitter. And if you've got ideas for stuff you'd like to see in a platform like that, we'd love to hear ideas just because I think it'd yeah. be interesting just to collect. What what would you want to see uh, on, on something that's a little more meaningful and intentional where you can share your work and get feedback on your work than, than say Instagram, which, which doesn't really support that kind of interaction. What would you want to see on something like that? And would you be willing to pay a minimal fee to have that happen? Yeah. If you give, if you give a suggestion, uh, maybe also just tag on the end, like how much you'd be willing to pay a month yeah. or something like that. I'd pay five bucks or I'd pay, yeah, I'd pay you know, 10 bucks. I'd pay a coffee for yeah. that for sure. Maybe there are bundle discounts, yeah, like all that kind of stuff can yeah, be sorted yeah, yeah. out, but would, would you pay, a year. yeah, would you pay real money, not crypto or NFTs <laughs> or anything like that? <laughs> two ETH. <laughs> That's right. I'll give you two ETH for the year, bro. Uh, <laughs> that was crypto cool guy voice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we need, we each need some sort of sound effect on our, our respective devices that yeah, when we go yeah, into I'll crypto get, cool I'll get guy the voice. Connect guy. Did you see that guy? <laughs> yes. <Be> connect. <laughs> what's up, what's up, what's up? That's right. Uh, well, you've got the accents too. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you, so. you can do that. You you could sell that. Yeah, but they're um, get canceled for doing accents. So <laughs> it's a minefield. <laughs> Yeah. So let it, let us know, um, either email or, or, you know, record a voice message on your phone. We love getting those record a voice message, send it to deepnatter at Gmail. And, um, you know, let, let's see where it lands. Cause I, I do think it's an interesting discussion and I don't think anybody has gotten it right yet. And, and I'd like to know why that is. Is it, is it because they're coming at it from the wrong way? Is it that we just don't have time for anything beyond what we have time for right now? I don't know. You bring, you brought up a really good point about that. Yeah, I mean, you have to challenge yourself. Like, even even if you were the one sort of trying to champion that community, how much would you? How much time a day would you dedicate to that platform, honestly? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a good question. It's a good thing to test. It would have to be very valuable to people for them to for them to say, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna carve out half an hour a day or something," which is a lot of time for for most people, more time than a lot of people have to spend on there because it's so valuable. You know, I, I think that's a, that's that's also one of the challenges is do do we have do we do we see the value of it like that? Are we willing to give up half an hour of frivolous social media time to to do some real kind of community growth stuff where I'm giving and receiving feedback on my work and on a lot deeper level? What would you like to see from a new photo sharing platform or community? And would you be willing to pay for those features? Send us an email at deepnatter at gmail.com. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app. You can support the show by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen or by sharing it on social media. Help support the costs of producing the shows directly by tapping the donate button at jeffreysedoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S dot com. And to those of you who've already contributed, thank you very much. You can connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. 
on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time and we hope you'll come back for the next one.